Hello, how are we? Welcome back to the podcast. First things first, hope everybody's okay. Thank you for the last episode. Um, people said it was calming. People said it was just nice to hear. Absolutely nothing and bollocks. Um, before I start off, huge props to the dodgy podcast blokes that got their own uh, straight off the ground, hit the ground running, in my opinion. Um, two absolute shite talkers talking absolute shite. What can you want in this world? Uh, perfect time for it. So a little bit to uh, a little bit of housekeeping for the start. This episode is going to include the likes of MMA, UFC, very Joe Rogan esque stuff. Um, my hates and loves about the whole kind of culture around it, and the movie section will include the most racist, or at times racist, at times never given consent, most unbelievably cool spy in the world a james bond list and all the top 10 film or top 10 films in my opinion so stick in it's gonna be great um how are we uh i've had a very very eventful week i'm sitting down on the sunday recording this (sighs) having a nice a nice uh cocktail there it seems in this whole quarantine job in dublin that peach schnapps have just interweaved themselves into irish culture and society it's just such a lovely little drink to uh to uh get into uh whether you're a i'm sure there's different brands and different types of that i'm not sure which which one um i've been drinking at the moment but it's really great uh lovely drink to have very girly if you uh want to take a break from the points uh, which which all of us do. It's summer, you can drink whatever you want. Rules are out. If you want to have a cold Copperberg in a field, you can. If you want to have a big dirty Guinness while sitting on your front porch, you can have it. So, first things first, UFC, MMA. UFC has been going on for, I think it's around 30 years now. It's been very, very popular. It's gotten extremely popular in the last 10 years in Ireland because of you-know-who. It is one of the few sports events that has been kind of kicking up and going through all of this. Just last night, there was the Amanda Nunez fight and the Cody Garbon fight and the Sugar Sean O'Malley fight. All very good. Um, really good card. And then there was also the Justin Gaethje fight against... Who was it? El Kikui, the... Oh, what's his name? Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. Also a very, very good fight. Had Francis Ngannou in the undercard. Um, Yeah, it's one of the few sports that has been still running. And it has had... I think it had the big, the most views on the Gaethje fight. Because nothing else was being shown. So they've really hit the niche market. Um, And it's become really big in... Dublin especially in my opinion it seems that combat sport has really like peach schnapps has interweaved itself into society and everybody knows somebody who's taking an MMA course whether it be Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, kickboxing, Taekwondo, boxing, Kung Fu, you know Krav Maga anything like that and there are Krav Maga courses in Dublin I know a few people that do take them fantastic way to keep fit and all that but I was watching the Cody Garbon fight last night and you kind of have to wonder why people like why people would bother putting themselves in these positions where they're going to possibly get their bones broken face rearranged 
ears torn off, noses broken, teeth kicked out, eyeballs perforated, you know, split lips, the the, the whole the whole thing, broken legs. I mean, the Anderson, like, you've seen the clips, the Anderson Silva clip of him literally snapping his leg around, like, a piece of licorice around a pole. It's disgusting. Why would people do it? I don't know. And then I got to think, why people in Dublin have, and certainly in Ireland everywhere, why they're getting into it and I've kind of narrowed it down to one two three four five six and I think at the very top of the list it has to be like for most people it's very cliche and very kind of very um how do you say it no I suppose not cliche but it's quite it's used in quite a lot of movies as a point that people get into MMA through being bullied and through having people rag on them all their lives, and, you know, it's not a big thing in Ireland, but in, in, I certainly know in America, you know, things get physical, you know, physical bullying and all that, so people get into these things for, for, you know, for defense, essentially, which is probably one of the most um, noble ways of getting into it. The best fighter in UFC history, in my opinion, George St. Pierre, you know, he on the Joe Rogan show said that he got into it because he was getting fiercely bullied. You know, he was a little scrawny kid and he got into it. And I just wonder, are there people out there in in Ireland that kind of got the shit kicked out of them when they were younger and then, you know, took this kind of physical beating as a mental drive, almost like, you know, there's so many people, so many athletes that kind of take these mental points in life and then end up using them to drive themselves physically like Michael Jordan in The Last Dance and stuff like that Uh, and watch the you know if you don't like MMA podcasts the Joe Rogan podcast where he talks about MMA I think the uh, George St. Pierre one is a really good one to listen to because he just gives a really well-rounded review of why he, he gets into all these things I don't know if he started off as a kickboxer or not but it's um, it's really it, it is quite interesting. Joe Rogan himself got into, I think I think he was taekwondo. He was a taekwondo champ and master for a very long time. I think he had like over a hundred fights, and he too got into it because of because of uh, bullies and stuff like that. But he the, he described or he hasn't really described it that much. But he apparently took HGH. I only learned about this today. He took HGH, which is human growth hormones, in like the you know late eighties, early nineties, to essentially physically improve himself and stuff like that. Maybe if he, it was even like mid eighties, I'm not sure, but. If you ever see pictures of Joe Rogan's stomach, it's all contorted and all of his muscles are just wonky. His spine is twisted the other is twisted the wrong way. His body proportions are completely out of, you know, out of sense. Apparently, like through it, your muscles expand, but your bones essentially get weaker and they bend with your muscles and it just sends you the wrong way. It's uh, it's really nasty. So anyways, I think that's pretty much number one why people get into these MMA things, it's, uh, or whatever, I'm not really a big, I'm not into all of that, there's people that really follow it quite heavily and I support them and there's always that, you know, crowd that 
has always something to say when the fight is on and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about <laughs> and I'm probably one of those people that would watch a Conor McGregor fight and say oh why isn't he hitting him harder you know he should have been jumping on his back you know he should have been going for the rear naked choke uh, you know nobody really knows what what we're talking what he should be doing or what he's uh or what he's doing so there are that uh that crowd to it the second the second one is really no- notoriety and this is where it kind of gets a little bit deeper in my opinion where there we all know those people that got into mma for the pure reason of just being able to kick the shit out of anybody they wanted to have this oh, like if they put it in they put in the man hours and the work they have the ability to knock the shit out of whoever they want and they kind of feel that power and they insinuate it within themselves and everything they do you know they are a huge physical threat you know you're in town you're over in wherever in a bar you look over and you know once in a while you'll always hear that oh that this is so and so you know you don't want to be messing with him he does mma or kickboxing or or you know whatever it is jiu-jitsu you know he beats the shit out of people and it's it's one thing if you really enjoy the sport and you've been doing it from a young age and you really invest in the whole ethics of it and you know getting into shape and having that uh, self-control that they really preach self-control in these mixed martial arts you know within these combat sports and then there's there's people that you know you have to avoid constantly because they'll make it in they'll make an excuse to like do the shit they can do to you on a night out or something like that you know you have to be pretty careful around these people especially if you don't know them and they've got a reputation for having a crack at somebody at a nightclub because people go out and i can never understand this people go out to have fights in town that is a successful night for some people that sounds terrible imagine living that life where you see hitting somebody and causing pain to somebody else as a win a win in town like come on get over yourself and then you have to be so careful because as i said that they'll turn any situation into a situation where they can use their these skills to cry like beat the shit out of you and gain this ego inflation of hitting somebody is like if i was to bump into somebody that was a I don't know, had done a year of kickboxing or taekwondo or boxing or any of those mad ones or Mai Thai or whatever it is, that's a big one nowadays. And they, if I bumped into them and they wanted to have a go, I like, they kicked the shit out of me. They kicked the shit out of anybody because they know how to do it, you know? And why do, why would people bother in, in doing that? It's just one of the kind of big problems that I feel are especially in Dublin because you don't really I suppose I'm not really out of Dublin that much but it's it's really in Dublin that MMA has really gotten huge credit because of Conor McGregor and his you know he's a social influence to Ireland whether you like it or not whether you hate him or love him he'll always have an impact in sports and Ireland especially Dublin the place that he came from but and it has helped so many people like I have no idea how many people have been assisted and helped through their you know crafting boxing kickboxing any of those but then they're 
is quite, and I'm not going to say a small percentage because there is a huge percentage of people that are taught, are, you know, their motivation for learning this skill or, you know, progressing in whatever ranking it is, whether it's to get the belts or notches or, you know, titles or, I, I don't know what it is, but they, they their motivation is to, to get these things is the idea that they can literally beat anybody they want on the street purposely if they wanted to and it's a tough situation for them as well because i remember a while back there was a case and it, it had it had to do with some bloke that it was and it was in dublin it was just down in rathmines um, or not rathmines in harold's cross i think just a little past harold's cross and he was coming out of a nightclub or something like that and he was with his wife and some fella was annoying him and he had pushed the guy that was annoying him he cracked his head open you know he was in a real bad state and when he was eventually brought to court it had shown on the record that he was you know highly skilled in i think it was i think it was my thai or kung fu or taekwondo one of those and in the end you know he got like as soon as a judge sees this on your you know on your record as a person it doesn't bode well for you especially if you are you know especially if you're telling the truth that this guy had not attacked us he was just bothering us and then i'd oh, give him a hook or throw him to the ground or whatever because some people they don't know their own strength especially when they've been doing it for a long time and maybe not in competition I, i'm not sure i'm spitballing here but if you're say teaching and you're still very obviously very skilled if you are teaching these crafts and you know you're you're breaking blocks and you're teaching the methods perfectly because you need to be a perfect teacher to get to make perfect students i think that's their goal in a lot of these but and if you're one of these teachers and you're not in competition and you have no real gauge of your strength or ability anymore and you go into town and you throw this bloke back or give him a push back and you think oh it's just pushing him away and he goes on the floor and i don't know cracks his head open or goes blind or something like that from the impact you know it's it's very tough to know because they lose all sense of the power that they have and it's quite scary thinking about it i'm uh I'm glad I'm not, in some senses, I'm glad that I'm not one of these, you know, very highly trained people. And then there's a part of me that always thought that this would be a fantastic way to get into shape and really, you know, and I've what I tried out, I tried out, you know, it was always on my mind to try out jujitsu. I think it would probably be my, in the grassy bar and stuff like that. You know, it was always on my mind to try and get into shape and it's my goal to do it you know even to this day when everything gets back to normal i really do want to try it and see what it's all about you know just as a new skill to have and as a new trait just to break the cycle of constantly playing rugby and soccer all the time um i think it would be a good switch up but on that note i think the second reason people get into this is to get in shape people get and they get and they get in really like just unbelievable condition that you couldn't get in any other sport because especially with jiu-jitsu and muay thai is that you're using muscles that you really don't think that you ha- like could be used and you're engaging in all these exercises that um that really take all of your strength from top to bottom 
and I think that's a really good a really good reason and I think many people that really don't like the likes of running to get in shape and I'm one of those people they get into these because it's I think it's the closest equivalent of wrestling and doing these drills as it is to do runs and sprints and stuff like that because it works your body so hard in doing these uh, movements and motions so I think that's a, a huge part getting into shape through it and there are those that get into shape through it and then you know that's their starting point and then they begin to love it and they begin to go up the ranks and get really good at it and that's kind of the ideal way that they learn the ideals and motives of a mixed martial art and they get into shape and they learn how to defend themselves um and it's a huge thing just to kind of tie it in with health it's a huge thing for and getting in shape it's a huge thing for mental health because there are people that have had a traumatic experience in their lives and they always say that sport has helped them no matter what it is and i think that's i think certainly i hear a lot of people they've been attacked in town or they or wherever and they are constantly looking behind their back they're scared of going out in public especially especially if you're if you're attacked close to home it has this huge mental wave on you of that you're not safe even in places that you really believed were your own backyard a really powerful thing that was said by i think that was said by oh, i'll think of his name later but and it, it was it was said by this guy called dad at 3000 he was in the film dog fight uh which i'll get into in a second but yeah the perfect the perfect outcome is that you learn you get in shape you learn the defense and all that and you gain with these people if they're you know getting if they have a traumatic experience and they use sport especially mma to gain confidence in themselves and their abilities physically and both mentally because it's one of the few things you know with with rugby and football you know physical attributes and techniques are really at the forefront but within mma and stuff like that it's they really have a sense of values within within their community and that's why those who really believe in these values like you know having the utmost peace until you need to use your abilities it's it's quite it's quite enlightening because they say that you have almost more power when you don't when you don't need to use your techniques and you can diffuse a situation but it it is it is brilliant to see how the these sports and these um different walks of mma can truly can truly turn somebody's mindset around whether it be that they're depressed and they've got nothing to search for in life you know religion doesn't um enticed them you know they may not be the most social characters they've got no you know they've nothing to look look to and then there's this sport with its own mantra whether it be jiu-jitsu or taekwondo or whatever it you know each each one brings a sense of you know values and and set of morals too which i think is very good and as i said not all keep to those morals and values but those who do um it can really turn their life around and it can give them a new sense of a new outlook as it seems to be on life which i find very very good maybe we all need a bit of that nowadays you know because of the the times are going in with the riots and in america and coronavirus as well you know maybe it's time to get a new outlook on life and have a new perception of the people and things around us 
and maybe the values that we can instill in ourselves to make us better people that got very deep for a second there and i don't know why but it it certainly did the second one is that they're just or sorry it's actually the third one is just people who love mma there are those that grew up with it that had it from a very early age when they were children hitting the bags and stuff like that and getting medals and all that you know they really enjoyed um their upbringing through this sport and at times i feel bad for those that maybe enjoyed especially there's certainly many people that i knew that were kind of looked as an outsider because they enjoyed these solid solid these kind of solitary sports where so is it solitary solitary sports where it's just you and you rely on your abilities rather than being part of a team sport like Gaelic or hurling or stuff like that. And they were kind of seen as an outcast at times through every walks of life that kind of seemed to be the way. And then it it kind of, the, the whole game switched where people wanted to be overnight masters at their craft while the those people who used to train and still do train from an early age and love the sport are the ones who are being looked up to as proper athletes and you know very cool it's very cool to have um and an mma skill under your belt um and there are those that um there are some people that really don't they really condemn violence even in any kind of any kind of setting whether it be in a gym or whether it be outside fighting you know they hate every kind of form but i think they're kind of essential these places because there are people that are wired a little bit differently to us that love the thrill of contact and being hit and beaten and you know to have the chance to hit back and fight back it gives a thrill that i probably don't seek out in my daily life but there are people that are really wired differently and maybe aren't inherently aggressive but it certainly helps them when in life and i think that's the main reason that these are really really helpful for both community especially in poor communities where you know violence is probably a little a little bigger than in a nice area like fox rock i don't think you know you'll see maybe more mma gyms in slightly less poor places rather than in slightly richer places because it's it's a sport in poor areas that is it's it's because it's so easy to do it's because and this leads me into the next next one where people do this for they do these sports for survival in the poorest of poorest of places you know they look to mma as a form of survival art to get out of the poor situation that they're in you know and that has become so big in ireland i think because because conor mcgregor made it so big and has made millions of millions of dollars maybe more than that i'm not sure haven't searched up his net worth but it has now become a, an aspiration and a possible goal because now people know that it is possible. Young people go into this into this role or into this into this world of MMA because they now know that it is possible for people to make it. And he is one of probably thousands, or hundreds of tens of thousands who tried to make it in the UFC game or the MMA game. Finally made it while the rest didn't. He's one in a million. But you know, props to him. I'm not his biggest fan. 
but he really you know you have to give credit where credit is due he he himself on his own made his millions he made his own brand and he became a superstar all by himself and they're straight facts and you can't really argue with it um but back to the reason why people get into mma through survival you don't need any equipment to do mma you need your body and that's about it yes it helps if you have gloves but it can be taught without equipment and maybe that's why maybe it's kind of a precursor to why it is so popular in poorer areas not because it's a contact sport and it's deemed as aggressive and violent but maybe it's because it's the most financially sensible reason why people get into these things where they don't need to buy a football or boots or shin pads or jerseys or shorts or any kind of equipment they need to show up in the in shorts that they already own and they don't even need a t-shirt to do it in they don't need any shoes they don't need any gloves shin pads boots whatever they just have themselves and they are their tool and equipment i think that's a, maybe maybe can enlighten some people that think that contact sports are the poor man's game and are you know inherently violent and rough because it is entangled within you know bad economic places and financially poor places but it is because they are so it is an appendage of their poverty that they sway towards these mma uh, arts because you know it's it's the easiest one to take part in that personally i think is something that should really be taken into account of whenever people judge those who are from mma because it's not because they're rough because of mma it's because they are rough uh, or they're not i'm not phrasing this right but people believe that they are poor because of mma but in many senses it is because it is mma that doesn't make them poor but instead they look for mma because they are poor and they don't have the money to pay for other sports and maybe i'm completely wrong and i'm taking this from a completely different angle because i'm speaking about two things that i have absolutely no past experience in mixed martial arts or you know socio-economic difficulties i i <laughs> i've i've little experience in either but i think especially in america that the poorest fighters that came from nothing have become the best you look at documentaries on netflix such as dogfight as d-a-w-g fight it, inv- it surrounds kind of the street fights that are set up by your man data 3000 who i had alluded to earlier you know he sets up these rings you know peep street beefs to settle them in the ring put the guns down and just fight and he can make a bit of cash on the side from it which isn't the worst thing in my opinion it uh you know it helps people settle their differences without people getting shot and killed and all that um very timely for the times that we're in in america you know look what can you do and it it kind of shows the impact that if one person in the worst area makes it it brings a new sense of hope to everybody and it makes them a hero because it shows especially if they came from the same walks of life as they did you know kimbo slice he became a very successful ufc fighter through online videos of him knocking the shit out of people in street fights in illegal street fights he was a rough customer very little education you know wasn't on the right path and he you know you know he was a great fighter so i've been told 
but you know he got very very lucky in the UFC picking him up and people from his area you know they hail him as god you know I don't know I don't know where he came from if it was in Louisiana or it was maybe a little north a little more north in America but wherever he came from they hail him as a god because he was one of the people to make it out of the the projects or whatever they call it over there so it, it's just it's just food for thought I'm not a huge my closing remarks I'm not a huge MMA fan I'll watch the odd fight you know I'll give my opinion where my opinion is not needed when people are fighting I'm not a huge fan of violence in on streets and stuff like that could be used differently I'm a huge supporter in the mantra that they they pose to people but on the flip side I don't think it's right for those people that get involved in MMA just to have the notoriety and to have it on your name that you can't be touched by an average schmo like us in a fight or if you have a difference or if I knock a drink out of your hand in a bar by accident by sheer accident no militia involved that you can just turn around and crack my jaw and break my nose and split my eye socket open just because you can and that's my closing remark but big fan i think it think more people should do it and as i said i'm gonna try and do it very very soon well not soon because of the lockdown but you know soon enough we'll see we'll see but there's one man who never needed to take any kind of mma art or specialty or jujitsu or kickboxing except that one time in that one james bond movie where he uh, went to japan and kicked the shit out of out of asian people and it was extremely racist it's james bond it was a challenge i set on myself to list the top 10 in my opinion the top 10 best bond movies i watched a huge amount of them growing up i watched a huge amount of them over quarantine and this is the movie section. It's back for another week. It's not leaving. It's the movie section. Alright. Well, I'll just get right into it. It's one of my favourite class of movies. Those of you who really never got into it and watched Harry Potter or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. I have no I have no qualms with you. I have no gripes with you, but it's something that you should watch just to gain a little bit of gain a little bit of knowledge and perspective of how good the stunts were and the effects were for its time and how extraordinarily racist some of the uh, ones some of them don't age well the Sean Connery era is exceptionally lack a severe amount of consent when getting with a woman and the uh, use of honky towards white guys and boy derogatory terms towards black guys in many of them you know maybe not the maybe not the nicest part of james bond and of course rte would play one of maybe the most racist james bond movies in the midst of a black lives matter campaign movement that has been going on for weeks maybe the most rte thing that has ever happened you know who knows but at number 10 my favorite movies of james bond james bond james bond Man with the Golden Gun. We're talking Saramanca. We're talking Tattoo. We're talking The Plane, The Plane, The Plane. Great, great starter. There's a... There's a scene... I think it's the very last scene. I forget... I think it's Roger Moore who's in it. I'm pretty sure it is. Maybe it's... Is it Roger Moore? I think it is Roger Moore. Or Sean Connery. No. 
no, Roger Moore, it is Roger Moore. And there's a very cool mirror scene at the very end of it with Saramanca and, you know, everybody wanted the, a, a little golden gun and everybody played the, you know, everybody wanted the golden gun, the James Bond golden night game, you know, very big pop culture movement. Number nine, coming in hard, it has not aged well by any means, it is Moonraker. James Bond goes to fucking space, that's right, and it involves a man who was seven foot two with iron teeth called Jaws that bit people to death. Seven foot two. I mean, seen as one of the best Bond villains, maybe one of the best movie villains in history. Great, just just great. Love it. Has the space gun. Shocking effect. Has aged, as I said, terribly badly. Shocking. But it was pretty funny. And, you know, you can get a good laugh out of it now. It's got some good action scenes. It's got a laser gun. I think it was around the time that Star Wars was coming out, so they wanted to jump on the bandwagon. Power to them, and it was great. Next one, GoldenEye. There's only two words that I need to convincing you that this was a good Bond movie, and it was Sean Bean. Sean Bean was the bad guy. It starts off with, I'm pretty sure he's the good, he's 006 or 008, and they he dies, so you think. And he turns out to be the bad guy. And he wants the world to go into a cool down mode. And it was very kind of uh, global warming incentivized. Very good one. Very very, very action packed. And of course at the very end. Like most Sean Bean movies and TV shows. He fucking dies. Number seven. Another gold one. Goldfinger. This, we're starting to move into the real, the real nitty gritty ones. These are the tight ones now from seven to six. There was a huge debate in my house at which ones should be at the top. My dad wasn't happy that Goldfinger only made it to seven. Bad guys had plenty, you know. It had, who was the main guy? I don't care. The German bloke. Odd job. That's the one that I'm talking about. An Asian man who was actually Samoan that had a knife hat that he would throw at people and cut the head off you. There was that super cool scene where he goes duck hunting with the bad guy for some reason and he didn't shoot him with the gun when he had in his hand but instead he shot a bloke out of a tree and he fell down and it was super cool. The song, you don't, you know, it's great. You don't need to, uh, you don't need to get any further with that. Odd job and the, the song and maybe one of the most famous James Bond lines where he's on the table strapped. You know, with the laser coming to him, ready to saw him in half like some Swiss cheese. Do you expect me to talk? He says, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Number seven, fantastic. Number six, a new one. One that maybe, maybe fought, that should be a little higher. Number six is Skyfall. Fantastic song. It was a bit annoying. Won an Oscar. Adele, props to you. It was sexy. It was super sexy. You had some very brilliant scenes in it you had some fantastic fights in it judy dench at the top of her skills at that point daniel craig in for his third movie you know went with a bit of a slope and quantum of solace soared right back up soared right back up into skyfall fantastic gets shot at the train scene at the start brilliant and then my favorite part of it and this is what annoyed me about spectre because spectre isn't on this list because i thought it was shite maybe one of the worst Bond movies that was ever made which is difficult to say because I'm such a huge Daniel Craig era fan but it's the bad guy bad guy wasn't good and Christopher Waltz I don't think was particularly good in it maybe he was the best part in it actually 
but the fights in, in Spectre weren't great. The start of it was good. But in Skyfall, it was a tough act to follow because the bad guy was Javier Bardem. He was fresh off the boat of winning an Oscar for a no country for old men. He was hauntingly good. The scene where he's in the glass cage and he whips out his whole jaw to show that he was eaten up by nitrous oxide or whatever it was, those suicide pills that they used to take, whatever it was. Phenomenal. Next one, number five. People are going to be mad at this if you've seen the movie and didn't enjoy it. This is my favourite Bond movie, but I had to put it at five because it's so cheesy and over the top. And it's Die Another Day. For those of you that don't know Die Another Day, for those of you that have never heard of Die Another Day, it is Pierce Brosnan's, well, I think it was Pierce Brosnan's last ever Bond movie, and it was maybe because it was so over the top, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna list half the audience here, Pierce Brosnan, Madonna, who did the song as well, Die Another Day, banger, great one, John Cleese as Q, fantastic, added a special bit of comedy in there judy dench she was in the mix she was kind of starting to kick off as m as her first role um and it was fantastic to give you a little bit of backstory why it was seen as maybe the most over the top it involves at the very start pierce brosnan coming in on a surfboard that has a suit in it and a fully loaded gun and he runs in to north korea James Bond didn't fly, drop into North Korea. He didn't helicopter into North Korea. He surfed into North Korea. That's how much of a badass he is. Not only that, it involves a hovercraft race. Where guns are being fired. Bells are being rung. Explosions are happening. At the very start, he's selling diamonds. Blows up the diamonds with C4. Goes everywhere. There's a scene where an Asian guy is kicking a boxing bag. And there's a dude in the boxing bag. Unbelievable. Madonna's in there, swinging swords and shit. Sings the song, Scorpions Everywhere. It's unreal. It's absolutely great. And then the epitome, the epitome of it. Halle Berry. Halle Berry in Costa Rica when she finally gets out of that pool, just like the octopus he's seen. Unbelievable. And then to add it a little more to it, Rosman Pike. Rosman Pike from Gone Girl. Very posh woman, also in it. In this ice kingdom. To add a little more madness and a little bit of flavour just when you think there isn't enough spice in this movie an Asian guy that dies at the start has a fucking face transplant and gets turned into a white guy who is British apparently and he's got an electro fucking suit that shocks people and stuff like that it's crazy I love it and if that isn't even enough for you there's a scene where his car which I think is a Porsche or some kind of that is racing against a Ferrari and it goes fucking invisible and there's guns flying, there's rockets everywhere, and they're skidding around, and some guy gets impaled on a glass chandelier in water for some reason that's building up, and then the earth is going to get cut in half or something like that, and there's a laser, and James Bond is running from it, and he surfs on some kind of a power glider, hang glider thing on the worst CGI wave that I've ever seen in my entire life, and it's great. It's the reason that it's my favourite Bond movie, and I'm speaking with such passion because it is so good, and it is so cheesy, and if you've never watched it, watch it. It's unreal. Halle Berry, fantastic in it as Jinx, I think. That's her name. Oh, God. Uh, 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 out of breath from even speaking about it. Sensory overload. <sighs> Refresh my spirits a little bit. That was number five. That was actually number four. Because I skipped number five because I was so excited. Number five was Her Majesty's Secret Service with Dr. Blofeld. A classic in my eyes, maybe not the greatest... Did not have Sean Connery. 
did not have Pierce Brosnan, did not have Roger Moore, did not have Daniel Craig or Timothy Dalton, who sadly doesn't even appear on this list. He's best in Flash Gordon. It was George Lazenby. George Lazenby for his first and only appearance. And the reason that I thought it was so shocking is because James Bond gets flipping married at the end of this movie. And everybody in the theatre was like, what? No. No. This jet setter. Spy superhero. Sexiest man alive in the spy community. Getting married. And then at the very end when you think that they're going to ride into the sunset, she gets shot and killed. Because they're in America and it's an English spy and they're on the other seats in the car and they're switched. And they shoot the wrong seat. They shoot the wrong seat. That's how good it is. Very emotional. And it ends there. Maybe the most bleak James Bond scenes I've ever seen. Number three. A Spy Who Loved Me. The very first, very first one where we got to see Jaws. Who I mentioned in Moonraker. Moonraker is a sequel to the A Spy Who Loved Me with Roger Moore. I'm almost sure that Roger Moore did the most amount of James Bond movies. I'm not sure. It's either him or um, Sean Connery, the other guy. But... It had Richard Keeler's Jaws, 7 foot 2. There's an underwater car scene where you, they drive off to the cliff and he turns it the car into a boat. Into a boat. This scene was so popular that in the days that there was a car manufacturer that actually tried to make the car boat and it was sold and it was terrible. And I'm pretty sure more than one person died in it. That's how cool this movie was. And to top it all off, when he's in Austria against, I want to say Dr. something or other... There's a ski chase where his skis are guns and they're firing at him. Great. Super scene. Loved it. First scene of Jaws. Richard Keel. Unbelievable. The man eats the neck of some young one like he is hungry. A rugby player who just played his last senior cup match in Crystal. He devours the neck off her. Number two. This is the this is the big one now. This, this is the two where people are going to get upset. Number two is Casino Royale. If you haven't watched it. I apply you need to watch it because it's on Netflix at the moment there's no reason you shouldn't be watching it is it on Netflix yeah I think it is but there's there's no leading lady in this that can compare in in my opinion in any James Bond scene than Eva Green Eva Green I don't even remember a character I just call her Eva Green even in the movie she is so good in it that she was probably the most fleshed out Bond girl in the history of Bond girls because she was this gorgeous double agent that betrays Bond and there's that really shot just that that's actually one of the most shocking scenes in all of Bond movies where she traps herself in the elevator in Venice and gets and drowns and starts breathing in the water and screaming underwater shocking that shit disturbed me put a bit of perspective in it Casino Royale was made in 2006 do you feel old yet? Because I do. To add a bit, a bit more to it, it was Daniel Craig's first movie. He quit cigarettes to uh, to make the movie. I mean, that's dedication. Did his own stunts. He was the oldest Bond ever to start off his Bond career. That's including Roger Moore and everybody else. He, he, he was that good. He was that committed to a role. Even though, by I think the third movie, he said that he'd kill himself if he had to make another Bond movie. And he's coming into his fifth Bond movie. Which I'm not looking forward to. But anyways, we'll we'll keep it going. Judy Dench, her very last, very last movie in the Bond seat. 
unbelievable. No, never mind. It was a very, it was one of her first ones. I'm getting mixed up with Skyfall. It's not. She was truly alive in that movie. Very, very good. Bad guy. Le Chief. Mads Mikkelsen. I have never been more annoyed in my life that a bad guy got killed off in James Bond than Le Chief. Mads Mikkelsen had the, maybe the performance of his career. And that's saying something because he's a phenomenally good actor. He was threatening. He was the guy, for those of you who don't know, he bled out of his eye and then he needed to take the inhaler. So good. Had that parkour parkour scene at the very start in Mozambique or something like that where he was jumping around and blowing up shit. So cool. My favourite scene personally where he's playing Le Chiffre in the casino and he gets poisoned and he needs to pump his heart back up in the car and stuff like that with the defibrillator yokies great unbelievable very very worthy second there will be no honorable mentions on this besides octopussy because it deserves a literally an honorable mention on this because it's called octopussy it's it's just funny in my eyes it's extremely racist in it you know with canal Altmar, the fucking bad guy in it. That's actually his name. You can search it up, but... Number one. Live and let die. Paul McCartney. When you can get Paul McCartney to write your theme song of a movie, the song Live and Let Die, and for it to be phenomenally good, it also appears in Shrek 2, for those of you less uncultured, maybe. Or maybe even more cultured. Power Ballad. Unbelievable. You got Roger Moore in his prime the best scenes in any Bond movie. The one where the double-decker bus gets the top taken off it and he crashes into a lake. Unbelievable. Where he gets in a plane and doesn't even take off and swerves around with some old lady in the front seat because he impersonates an airplane driver or a uh, teacher or whatever. So funny. Just to name a few of the names you may not know in it. Uh, Jane Seymour as Solitaire, leading woman in it. The only leading woman in it because she stole the spotlight apparently. Very good in it. Clifton James as Sergeant W.G. Pepper. Maybe the funniest Bond character and that's including John Cleese ever. This extraordinarily racist Louisiana cop. Unbelievable. Uh, Clifton James. Yeah, that was Clifton James. Baron Samady who was played by Jeffrey Holder. And I'm going to get into this topic in future podcasts hopefully. He was maybe the most disturbing creature, person that I've ever seen in the movie. He was this huge... Why Why do they think that in James Bond, especially in the Roger Moore era, that tall people were scary? I don't know, but he was 6 foot 8 apparently in the movie. They said he was 7 foot 2. He was massive, scary. Bone makeup all on him. Had this voodoo curse shit backstory. Very good. Julius Harris, who played Teehee. A man who was also huge. Also, all of these people are black. So, all the bad guys were black. You know. It was a sign of the times. I mean, look. You can't you can't rewrite it. You can just accept it for how good of a movie it is. And not for the social constructs it had back in its day. Um, Yavit Koto. Mr. Big. That scene where he pulls off the fake makeup. Including his nose and his hair. Fantastic. Rest in peace to... Mostly all of these people, sadly. And there, just when we're talking about these disturbing scenes, there's a scene where a woman gets bitten by a snake on a post when she's essentially tortured by this weird guy in a goat costume. This sounds like I had a fucking fever dream and came up with this movie, but it's not. This is real. Extra racist, extra creepy. And then 
the scene that I always remember that really freaked me out out of all was that Roger Moore and Gloria Hendry, who was kind of a side woman in the Bond film, were sitting on a on a beach. You know, this doesn't speak well for the racist overtones it has because Gloria Hendry also died pretty soon to this movie. He was also black. And they're sitting on a beach and there's this scarecrow that appears out of nowhere. The, the creepiest shit you've ever seen. A Mozambique scarecrow. They apparently got one bloke in from Jamaica to make all these because they couldn't get a craft designer that was talented enough to make them so scary. And it opens up its mouth and it shoots Gloria Hendry in the neck and she dies. Yep, that's how weird this movie is. But it's my favourite. As I said, has bet the best scenes in it. He runs across crocodiles in a lake. The boat chase scene, the way he kills Mr. Big at the end, for those of you, spoiler alert, he makes him swallow essentially a nitrous pill and he explodes like a balloon. It hasn't aged well, but you can sit there and just enjoy it. Look, I've talked my piece on James Bond. Hit me up on Instagram if I was missing any other ones. And yeah, watch these movies. Hope you enjoyed. Bye bye. But before I go, there will be a guest very, very soon. I've locked it down. It's nobody, it's not a celebrity. It's not anybody extremely out of this world famous. But it's somebody that I'm really, really interested in to have a few chats with. So, stay tuned. This is a really fucking long podcast, by the way. I've been rambling on for hours. Bye-bye. Good luck. Have a great time. Enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye.